With thoughts of summer, many of us will be looking forward to long, enjoyable days in our gardens and, of course, to another BBC Gardener's World live event, which returns to the NEC in Birmingham from Thursday the 15th to Sunday the 18th of June. Joining me to look forward to the event is head gardener at East Donnyland Hall in Essex, journalist, author and co-host of the brilliant Talking Heads podcast, Lucy Chamberlain. Lucy, lovely to catch up with you again. Um, Looking forward to summer already <laughs> i know do you know what it'll be here in a flash um it, it really will be so yeah i'm very much looking forward to, to the show now you are a regular at bbc gardeners world live at the nec and a very popular mm. regular with uh, your um, podcast partner saul walker and matt biggs you are on this amazing plant experts one-to-one advice stand aren't you we are, yeah. Do you know, I love it because you get to meet the, the wonderful gardening population and they're such lovely folk. And um, we get asked all manner of questions and it's so nice being able to help people with their problems. You can see them coming to you feeling a bit disgruntled or whatever it might be. And then by the time they're leaving you, they feel uplifted and positive and it's like you've helped them solve a conundrum that's causing them grief, you know. So that in itself is just such a rewarding thing to be doing. I love it. Every day's a learning day in gardening, isn't it? And you must yeah. have been asked thousands of questions. Do you, do you and Saul ever get tempted to just keep a little tally of, uh, of how many you get each day? Yeah, I do. I do actually write them all down. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I find it fascinating because it, it allows you, as a in our position, we need to be keep keeping up to date with our knowledge and what we're um, understanding that gardeners are wanting to learn about. So for me, I do find it a very useful experience. And so, you know, we we do get we do um, identify trends that come through, such as plants that maybe people are asking about, or if there's a particular pest that seems to be troublesome that year. Mm. Again, we can start identifying that. And then it's 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 very useful from my perspective to keep myself up to date. I love it. Large queues of people always to come and uh, talk to you. And they, <laughs> they bring you photographs and cuttings and clippings and odd shaped things, don't they? I mean, what's the most unusual thing that you can remember being asked about? Oh, gosh. Oh, well, there's, honestly, there's loads. But um, just I, I think identifications can be the one that stump people. And we love a good ident on the plant experts desk because often they're things that aren't you know widespread by their nature that's why they can't be identified so we get brought in either unusual pest and disease problems that we've never seen before there was one that was uh, on a lime tree um and it was the the leaf was all really distorted and, and puckered and unusual so that was something i'd never seen before that was a, a little kind of gall mite um but yeah we we i lo- those things are really unusual and then we get our our heads together um, and look at the gardening books, maybe look online to see if we can identify what the plant might be. So we do love a challenge on the expert's desk. Mm. Now, you're situated in the brilliant floral marquee, which just hits all the senses as you walk in, doesn't it, with the smells and the colours and the the hubbub uh, of noise of people talking. Um, But there's plenty to see at Gardeners World Live, isn't there, including, you know, the show gardens and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it is a great opportunity to see and learn so much you know it really is Steve and it, it because it's timed for June so it's literally at the height of the gardening season you can come there and instantly see what your garden could look like and can take away ideas you know the plants are all in full flower in full growth the show gardens look you know just jaw-dropping they are spectacular things to see and so inspirational and as you say the floral market is packed full of nursery growers who are so 
expert at what they do. They really are the country, if not the world's leading experts on things like peonies, clematis, roses, uh, lavenders, you know, um, edibles, all sorts of things. And it's I find it fascinating to chat to them and to see what new plant introductions there are, what trends are going on. Uh, I do take a very small amount of cash in my purse because otherwise it's far too tempting to buy things. And um, yeah, I really do think that uh, the show has so much to offer, really does. Mm. Um, interesting you mentioned one thing there, which which go, takes me back to my childhood, and that's how different people pronounce the names of different plants. You said clematis, and I was always told it was clematis. <laughs> who's, now, come on, who's right, Lucy? We're both right. <laughs> I, we're both right. I always believe in horticulture that you, you it doesn't really matter. It's written down one way. As long as you spell it right, that's probably the main thing. But you've got potato, potato, you know, let's, <laughs> let's not call the whole thing off because it's just, it is what it is. And we're both right, Steve, honestly, come on. Excellent. <laughs> now, when you're not at Gardeners World Live and presenting the excellent Talking Heads podcast uh, with Saul, um, you are a head gardener at a 100-acre estate in Essex, which mm. must must be a pretty full-on experience it's a lovely experience it really is it's um it's a very special place and um it's got lots of different um areas to it we've got i should say it is it's 100 acres but not all of that is heavily manicured gardens i think probably about five to six acres is what we really heavily look after so we have um, an estuary running through and so there's marshlands there's pasture there's arable land we have sheep we have horses um so it's it, there's woodlands there's bluebell woodlands there's a moat around the, the the actual main building itself it's it's very special it is private so it's not open to the public so that makes me feel even more privileged to be there um the wall kitchen garden itself is about two-thirds of an acre and i love absolutely love being there because i'm the daughter of retired smallholders so for me growing your own is is within my blood it's just something i've always always done so that's very special and then when you get things like the the, there's a whole big swathe of snowdrops flowering and then that leads into the narcissi flowering on the on the banks of the moat and then the roses kick in we've got loads of roses in June that is a special thing to see and to smell oh my god the smell of some of the old roses is wonderful so and and the wildlife you know it's it's a very uh, we're in a rural area, so we get to see barn owls, skylarks, buzzards, badgers. Don't talk to me about the badgers. <laughs> they can be <laughs> troublesome. <laughs> but, you know, we uh, we learn to live with them in peace and harmony. That's what we try and do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is. I do feel a very, very lucky person to be working there. Hmm. A lot of gardeners are much more, perhaps much more aware now of the link to sustainability and particularly how gardens impact the ecosystem and with wildlife and and things like that um yeah and i know the the gardens where you work you have a moat it sounds very grand but you have a moat where you work i wonder how I many know. people have a moat where they work but i, I mean it, what it does is it highlights that water features maybe or water in a garden can have a, a big impact and yeah. I wonder if you've got any advice for, for people who might be thinking actually that would be good to help with the, the wildlife a water feature how can they start with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, as you say, the moat is quite grand. Uh, it's got two black swans on it. And very often I have to fight off the black swans with a <laughs> with a rake or something when I'm weeding around because they can be quite territorial creatures. So, um, you know, don't envy me having a moat. It can be a bit, <laughs> a bit of a thing. Um, but yeah, what, going back to, you know, water features in your own garden, they can be 
as grand or as small as you like. And I guarantee you, as soon as you set one up, give it a week or so, and there will be wildlife colonizing it. You don't need to try and introduce anything. Those creatures in our gardens will find it, whether it be a frog or a damselfly or um, water boatmen or pond skaters or whatever it might be. And that's so valuable just to increase diversity in our gardens and, and, and sort of like maintain the food chain for natural predators. And you, if you have a frog in your garden or even if you can get a hedgehog for example in, an, in a leafy area a shady area of your garden they are so useful as a natural control for things such as slugs and snails which haven't yet learned the polite manners of not eating our plants in the garden mm-hmm. now lucy one of your key areas of expertise is being a grow your own um uh, expert isn't it that's the that's the thing that um that you do a, a lot of um the plot to plate thing people growing and having knowing the provenance of where their food come from is, is important how how can people get started with that uh, in the summer because that's quite late on in the season isn't it well it is but do you know what uh steve go to any garden center in the summer and there will be plants available for you to buy i think the days of being a bit sort of like um uh, frowning upon people buying vegetable plants are, are way gone you know we it used to be always raisin from seed but you can easily buy uh either plug plants or, or big mature plants now and 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 have an immediate crops so you know going to buy tomatoes or chili peppers or whatever it might be you can still do that in the height of summer and actually there's loads of stuff that can be sown to give you a succession of edibles going into autumn and then into winter and through to spring so for example in the summer i sow loads of carrots for the winter because they take a while to bulk up i'll Mm. be sowing some some beetroot that will bulk up in the autumn Uh, all my winter brassicas will be planted out in the in the summer and then i'll be sowing lots of hardy winter salads in june july and august so honestly the you know the cycle just continues and um yeah the grow your own calendar is is always full whichever month you are in bbc gardeners world live is at the nec in birmingham from thursday the 15th of june to sunday the 18th of june lots of information on the website bbcgardenersworldlive.com particularly on how you can get hold of tickets um so summer is coming we all enjoy our gardens in the summer many people will have their sort of their, their their flower patch and then they'll have their veg patch as well um what's your favorite plant for summer lucy what's the thing that makes you sort of sit there and go summer's coming i'm going to be looking at these oh gosh that's a question there's so many (laughs) things that i love but you know what for me i i really do like and i think the gardening nation as a whole are really latching on to this now it's a day i love a dahlia i really do there's such a color spectrum of dahlias and to me they're kind of more about the the middle to the latter part of summer and when they start flowering you know they're going to be keeping on doing so way until october even into november if we don't get any frosts until then they the, the flowers are so big and blousy and colourful and uplifting and cheerful that's what I love about them and they combine so well with things like sunflowers and verbena other late flowering things Um, and they cut beautifully so you can bring the garden into the house which again is such a a lovely thing to do you know when you're sitting at home in the evening um looking on a bunch of flowers that you have grown yourself in the garden <laughs> is a is a really joyful thing to do so i do love i do love a daily they make two. a statement don't they dailies they're not shy and mm. retiring they're, they're <laughs> there and 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 obvious and making a big statement 
Yeah, they are. But that statement is wonderful. You know, they can be, as I say, they are, I think they're just positive. They're cheerful. And I think that's a brilliant thing to tap into. The, as I said, the colours of them, the rich reds, the rubies, the pinks, the the, the, the foliage colours now of dahlias can be such a, um, a wide spectrum. You've got some real you know dark purples and vivid greens and you know you can get variegated forms even as well so um dahlias are yeah they are a, a lovely plant my my grandparents used to grow them for showing which is a whole completely different kettle of fish and it's jaw-dropping the um the effort that goes into growing dahlias for the show bench but i i do love doing that and it's a nod to my granddad and and grandparents to say yep uh, I'm thinking of you and I'm also growing a, a wonderfully cheerful plant that will give me months and months of colour. BBCGardenersWorldLive.com is the website for lots of information on the show. Thursday the 15th of June to Sunday the 18th of June are the dates for your diary. Lots and lots to see. Um, Lucy, I know you've got plenty to do before uh, we get to the show, but um, <laughs> this year's um, headline show garden is very topical um, because mm -hmm. the theme is a coronation theme, the garden fit yeah. for a king. Um, I do wonder whether you've got any plans for the coronation yet. Are you watching on TV or are you going to be sat in the garden? <laughs> I will be watching it. I'm quite a patriotic person and I do find that, um, you know, our royal family is something to be proud of. And those occasions when you can actually be part of, for us, modern history, but then for our children and grandchildren, they will be looking back and thinking, wow, you were there when that happened. I think that's really quite special. So I will be watching it on television, but I will be getting up maybe early and checking my propagator and checking my plants and doing some watering. And then in the evening, I might well be outside having a nice glass of something in the garden, enjoying the summer the summer sunshine. The best of both worlds. Because um, uh, King Charles is is known to enjoy his gardening, isn't he? He's very, uh, very oh, he... green-fingered and has been for many years. Yeah, do you know, I was so lucky. I actually went to Highgrove, which is a in itself a really special garden. And um, yeah, uh, you you can tell that he he, as you say, he's such a strong advocate of organic gardening principles, which we're so getting in tune with now. And uh, he loves his roses, his delphiniums. He's got lots of you know garden ornament ornamentation. There's a stumpery there. There's you know he's he's very much into wildlife, organic gardening, and that is mainstream now so he was in that sense ahead of his time and thank goodness now we all are adopting that mindset because we need to look after our resources our planet and and you know that's that's something that we should all be doing as gardeners and there's loads of ideas at the shows for this now which is so encouraging to see you know sustainable products that are being put forward instead of um single-use plastics uh plants that really encourage pollinators and beneficial creatures so yeah, it's it's lovely to see that now coming into our modern day thinking. Lucy, always a pleasure to catch up with you. It will be upon us very soon and we'll be enjoying the sunshine at the NEC in Birmingham. But for now, Lucy, many thanks. My pleasure.